Welcome to Real Estate Investing Secrets. We're all looking for freedom and the opportunity to live better, more fulfilling lives. But most of us were trained our entire lives to work for someone else and chase their dreams. How can we use real estate investing as a vehicle to achieve financial freedom? My life is dedicated to answering your real estate investing questions and helping you build an investing business that allows you to change your life and the world around you and to enable you to turn your dreams of financial freedom into a reality. My name is Mike Hambright from FlipNerd.com and your questions get answered here on the Real Estate Investing Secrets Show. Welcome back, Freedom Fighters. This is episode number 466. Today we're here with uh, my friend, Michael Penter. He operates in the New York market. And, you know, we're going to talk about operating in a market like New York today. It's a whole different animal if you're not there. And uh, if you're trying to get started there, you know, I was talking to Michael ahead of time. And one of the things you kind of realize is uh, if you're like me in Dallas or other parts of the country, you get used to doing things a certain way. And then sometimes, you know, Michael is a, has been listening to the show in the past and he's actually a member of our investor fuel mastermind and things like that. And he said, you know, some of the stuff you talk about on the show, like we just can't do that here. It's, it's, there's things that are different here. And so I thought it would be great uh, to, to get some perspective on operating in a different market like the New York market. So uh, we're excited to have you guys back. Michael, glad to have you here, buddy. Pleasure to be here. Bye. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, we're going to talk about uh, uh, some of the differences that you see up there in your market, maybe give some people that are listening that uh, are up there, either they want to get started or they're operating now and trying to take it to another level, some hopefully a little bit of guidance today and, and maybe for the rest of us, enlighten us a little bit on, you know, every market has its own challenges, right? California's got some different challenges and Texas has got some weird things and every market has its own kind of flair, right? But uh, but hey, before we jump into that, tell us a little bit about you and your background. Sure. So um, I was in the mortgage business for 17 years. Uh, so I had some background in uh, real estate finance. Okay. Uh, I met my partner behind me, uh, Levi, when we worked together in the mortgage business. And about six years ago, uh, we started going into real estate full time. Okay. Um, for about four years, four and a half years, all we did was buy at live auctions and online auctions. And uh, we bought more properties every year and we made more money every year. But about, about two years ago, we started realizing that um, the market here had peaked uh, or it leveled off at least. And uh, we didn't want to get into longer term uh, projects. And we started investigating uh, wholesaling and wholetailing. So instead, I'd say every property we did for the first four years was a, almost a gut rehab, a complete gut rehab. Most, you know, we did, we did almost everything in the property and our goal was yeah. to make it the, the nicest house in the neighborhood. Sure, sure. Which those are pretty heavy rehabs up there, right? Just yeah. Like, and it was complicated. I mean, our, our average uh, whole time was between six and nine months. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and we, and we, we made a lot of mistakes, but because the market was on its way up, the market sort of saved us on a bunch of deals where maybe we sure. didn't do things right, but we sold it for, we made money on, we made money, I think on every deal for the first four years. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, but then we started investigating wholesaling and wholetailing, and we've been really shifting towards that over the last two years. Uh, we started doing our own marketing finally, and uh, we're now getting in a, getting into a situation where we can get consistent results, and uh, and we're still growing, and uh, we're much happier with our current business model than our previous. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like every market is different. I think one of the things that happened is because you guys are uh, attorney driven state, like the foreclosure process just took a lot longer in a lot of the areas of the Northeast. So 
some of the stuff that you guys are feeling now or that you felt a couple of years ago when it was drying up had already happened in other parts of the country a few years prior, right? So like it's just yeah. like the foreclosure activity in like Texas markets for the most part was never as significant. And when it happened, it the cycle was a lot faster than what you saw there. So you basically sure. kind of realized what we saw here maybe a couple of years later. So yeah, that's awesome. And inevitably, everything, everybody everything is Everything here is slower in the process. Yeah. And inevitably, people start to realize like, hey, I, if I want to be in this business, I got to find a way to buy direct from seller, right? Yeah. yeah. We, for us, it was a big, it was a big uh, hit in the head when we realized that, that we, uh, we couldn't be buying at auction, fighting with other rehabbers if we're going to not rehab. Yeah. We needed to go direct to seller and buy cheap enough that we can sell to other rehabbers. Uh, or cheap enough that we can do minimal work and sell it into the retail market. Yep. And that, that was a big deal for us. Yeah. And the auctions, as you know, and I know people that buy here, I mean, we, we have some other friends that still buy at the auction, but uh, it's difficult. I mean, you, sometimes it's, sometimes the winner is the loser, right? So absolutely uh, real easy for that to happen. So let's talk about uh, when you first started, when you first started in the business, some of the challenges that you faced and maybe try to try to tell us some of those lessons in a way to where other people that are looking to get started in, in uh, New York, New Jersey, in the far Northeast there and other, other markets, some of the challenges that they might face, they need to be prepared to overcome. Sure. So I'm, I'm really going to talk about more of the challenges we discovered over the last two years when we shifted into a direct to seller model okay. because yep. uh, first few years we were buying and rehabbing, but in the, the challenges we face, the biggest challenges is, is the length of the sales cycle. So someone wants to get started in this, in in the New York area, the the time between you know you, when you go online and you and you see gurus or people explaining how this works and they say you know go buy a list go drive driving for dollars and you go out there and you'll get a deal in two months and you make money in thirty days that that may work in other states but in New York the time between when we started investing heavily into marketing we spent a lot of money every month we didn't see a penny from that for for probably seven or eight months wow a long time to spend and not get back. Now we had some deals locked up already, so we knew that money was coming, but it takes a very, very long time between the time when you spend money on marketing, uh, qualify those leads, you know, whether there's incoming or outgoing marketing, and then qualify those leads, go on the appointments, make the offers. And then even when the seller says yes to you, you still have to get attorneys involved and that can take months. And then you got to sell it. It's just, it's just not how you see it uh, uh, online where this is something where you're going to get paid. You know, you can wholesale a deal in 30 days and get paid. Sure, you know, sure. It takes a lot longer. And so let's kind of break that down. The attorney part. So I know um, in your in your area there, it's very different than what I'm used to in some other parts of the country. We use the title companies here. And typically we could, if somebody were to sign a contract today, like I could close tomorrow. I pretty much tell people that aside from uh, how long the title process takes. Now, if it's clean and there, it's not an inheritance and there's not a you know need for a bunch of other documentation, then that could be certainly within a week, you know, for three, four, three, four, five business days, if we get a title company to rush it, if it's clean. Now, if it comes back and there's problems that could extend it, you know, significantly or maybe forever. But, um, but even in a best case scenario there, kind of walk us through the process of having to get attorneys involved and how it's right now when a seller signs a contract, we send it to the title company right away. Title's open. We could close quickly if that's what they want to do. Sometimes they may want time, but uh, what's like best case scenario for you? Kind of explain that situation for us. Okay. 
So best case scenario is we go to a seller, the seller says, we offer them a, a number and the seller says, okay. Best case scenario is a seller has an attorney that they have dealt with before and we send them all the, we send our attorney the information and, and their attorney the information. This is the price, this is the buyer. And they would prepare a contract to send to our attorney within a few days. That's okay. best case scenario. Usually that, that contract is not going to be a great contract for us. It's going to be a contract that protects their interests, right? The seller prepares a contract. And our attorney is going to then have to say it needs to be assignable. Um, the, the e another big part of it here is the EMD, the earnest money deposit, the down payment. You know, in other places, you put $100 down. Here, standard in the entire state is 10%. So if we're buying a property for $30,000, $300,000, they're going to want us to put $30,000 down. Wow, yeah. And you can always negotiate that, but sure. I can't put $100 down and I can't put $500 down. Yeah. Maybe they'll go for $5,000. Usually they're going to want ten dollars or $20,000. So wow. that's a negotiation process. Now, our attorney knows we want to lock this up quickly and he wants he understands what we do. But their attorney is trying to justify his $1,500 to $2,500. Yeah, the more back and forth there is, the better it is for the attorneys probably. Exactly. <laughs> so he's going to go back and he's going to say, you know, we've had attorneys who, who we had a uh, sellers who told us they didn't mind us assigning and the attorney said we i don't want my client i don't want it to be assignable right it happens the attorney feels like he's got to be the uh the mentor and the and and give guidance to the seller gotta justify his expense yeah. justify his expense and 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 sometimes sometimes the sellers are not so sophisticated and, and i know we've talked about this before but it's pretty standard that a seller would would want to use or uh i mean do you recommend they use your attorney or for like legal reasons is he it can't he can't He's not allowed to use not not allowed to use our attorney. We can refer an attorney to him, but he can't use our other attorney. We're going to wow. use to represent us. Okay. Can't. It's yeah. a conflict of interest. So yeah. So best case scenario, they would resolve those issues in a week, ten days, and then we'd we'd send it in and it would get under contract in let's say two weeks. That would be best case scenario. Right. It, it rarely takes that. Sometimes it takes two months. Wow. Wow. So, and so even if the attorney, once everybody agrees, then what, how does the process maybe differ there from other markets? It's a pretty smooth sailing after that. I mean, there's still a process where title research is done. As the title. Yeah. Then we'd order, you know, then we'd order, we'd order title. And yeah. then, and then depending on what we're, what our exit plan is, we would, we would market the property to, uh, to other, if it's a wholesale deal, we market to our cash buyers list. And if it's a wholesale deal, then we'd close, we'd close on it and, and wait till that happens. So sure. Sure. And if you're going to wholesale it, I mean, under, I guess if you're going to start marketing it, you, you wait till you have to wait till the entire attorney process is done. Right. I mean, you have, yeah. you don't technically have a contract even at that point. So no, we have, we're not, we're not protected until, until it's signed by us and then by them and, and, and our, and our EMD is deposited. Right. Right. And then you got to deal with that whole thing again on the back end when you sell it, uh, unless you're assigning it. Right. <laughs> yeah, so usually on assignment, they understand, but they're still, they're still going to have an attorney and it's still going to take time. And, and I, and what's ironic is I know there's a guy up in uh, the Albany area who's trying to do this without attorneys and he gets them, he gets the sellers to sign something that says they can't, but I, it's, it scares us because we honestly believe since it's so standard in the state to use attorneys that if we bought something from the seller, or didn't use an attorney, we'd be concerned that, that they'd be able to cancel a contract later. Yeah. Right. Right. So let's talk a little bit about, um, uh, some other things that might be different, like marketing, uh, in terms of lead generation. I know, you know one of the things we'll probably talk about is it's not sometimes in different markets, different marketing um, tools work better, like mail or other things, right? But 
you also have kind of that Northeastern attitude, that New York attitude to deal with a little bit too. So just talk about maybe how marketing is different uh, where you're at. Sure. So there's definitely, I would say in New York, people have their guard up more than a lot of other parts of the country. And they uh, assume that something is a scam or somebody's going to rip them off more here than in other parts. So you need, we get a lot of uh, take me off your lists and uh, I'm sure you get them everywhere, but I think in New York, uh, there's more people who assume that somebody's trying to take advantage of them. So you have to take, take that into account on whatever uh, lead generation channel we use. We use, and we use a lot of different lead generation channels. We, 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 we use uh, pay-per-click, which is better because that's obviously uh, some, somebody who's coming into us. They We're not reaching you. out to them. Um, we use uh, direct mail. And I, can, I, I mean, I, I've had somebody report us to the Bus- Better Business Bureau because they said they were on a do not mail list. There is no such thing as a do not do not mail list. And, and I had to I had to explain that to the Better Business Bureau. But um, um, that's that, that happens. So you have you need to be you need to have a pretty thick skin here because you're going to get people telling you that you're you're the worst kind of person in the world. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So in in, in the in the last show uh, that we published it was with Trevor Mock, Investor Curate, and we talked a lot about. Um, where kind of lead gen is going and a lot of it is around building relationships and building that online reputation and things like that. And I think that's even more important. It's important everywhere, but it's even more important where you're at because it sounds like, you know, I mean, in true New York style, like people's bullshit meters are going off before they even open your letter or before they even pick up the phone. Right. They're like, absolutely. And absolutely. so um, we get that a lot, you know, people, yeah. I, we, we do, uh, we've been doing RVMs, you know, ringless voicemails and yeah, we get calls, that are unbelievable with people scream. I mean, we dropped a 20 second voicemail into there. Right. And we get people screaming at us that we're trying to steal the house from them. Right, right, right. Well, do you, so does that make, and I know you're um, a lot of the lead gen kind of paid lead gen you've been doing is fairly recent, like over the past couple of years. But so do you think uh, things like where they seek you out pay-per-click, I mean, uh, pay-per-click where they had to go research you, the importance of your website, those things seem to be even more important, you know, where you're at. Absolutely. I think it's a yeah. huge deal. We, we've gotten a lot of deals where people said, I checked you out online and I, you seem like a reputable company and yeah. you had high star ratings for sure. There's, there's no doubt that people are checking us out online. Online reputation is huge. Yeah. How do you, for, for somebody that was, you know, maybe would be trying to crack into a market like yours. Um, can you give some guidance on what they should do differently? That is not kind of maybe standard practice across the country to, uh, to help the bullshit meter from going so high? <laughs> I think, I, th- I think you need, you know, if you, I think if you're, I think it's the same. It's true for everywhere. Like if you're too salesy and you're really trying to sell hard, I think people here are going to get turned off more by it. You got to be honest with them yep. very often on appointments. My partner and I go on the appointments. I mean, I, I tell them honestly, you know, selling to us is a bad idea. You, we give them other options. You, ha- you have to be straight with people. I think people know, if you're telling them the truth or not here more than in other places, but I, I think that's the same all over, all, all over the country. Yeah. So I have some uh, friends that invest in Boston and one of the challenges that they had for quite a while was it was pretty standard practice to sell your house, even if it's in need of a lot of repairs, because a lot of houses are older and need a lot of repairs, just sell it on the MLS. Are, are you finding that is the same where you're at, where it's like stuff you might want to wholesale or wholetail, like it's already fairly standard practice to just still sell it through a realtor. So one of the things we, we, uh, I am a licensed broker and one of the things we do on a lot of appointments is tell them that, you know, you should list it and this is what you can get for it. And we have a very good pitch on why they should list with us. And we've converted, you know, we, we were spending so much on marketing. We felt like it was 
foolish to uh, right not recoup not, some of that. To not monetize that the, those deals that were MLS deals. If you know, we asked Create Up, do you have anybody you'd list with? If the answer is no, then we we pitch them as hard on listing if that's if that's clearly where they're going sure. for a variety of reasons. Right? They may owe more than we can pay, so it's never going to happen. The house is in perfect condition. There could be a million reasons why. We pitch them very hard on listing, and we and we've been making money on listings. So I, I think it happens a lot to put things on MLS, and I just hope we're the ones that make money on. It. Yeah, and 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 how do you differentiate why they shouldn't list it on the MLS? What what do you what do you tell them is the benefit of obviously speed probably, but what what is the benefit? Because uh, you know one of the struggles always is if you if you give that listing option, if you say, well, I can buy it for this or list it for that, a lot of times people will say, well wow, you can get me a lot more by listing it. Why don't you just try that? And if that doesn't work, then you'll probably still buy it from me anyway. How do you make sure you so don't cannibalize yourself? So it's, it's very interesting. We get that sometimes. We got that recently. And sometimes I just we just signed, we're signing a contract today on something where I told them I really think you should list it. And they told me, no, they want to, they want to sell it to us for, okay. for $50,000 less or something like that. So a big chunk. Yep. Oh, I, we tell them the, the advantages and disadvantages of uh, so the advantages of selling a property to to somebody like us is speed. We'll close not even speed, but we'll we'll, we'll close whenever you want. <laughs> that can be in two weeks, and that can be in a year and a half if you need time to find the place. We we own, we're working on your schedule. Yep. The second advantage is that the price is the price. It's not going to change. We're not going to come back later and say uh, an inspector came or an appraiser came, and, and and they know, and a lot of people know that that happens. Sure, yeah. Some people are really turned off by that. They they just want to know what the price is. And the another one, and this is a big one for a lot of the sellers, is that they just not going to have people coming in and out of the house. Right. Some of the people we buy from are hoarders. Some of the people are embarrassed about the condition of the house. They just don't want people to come. Yep. So we tell them that that's those are the advantages, and the disadvantages that you're going to get less money, and they have to, and and I've never had anybody say why or not understand that. Yeah. So. Yeah. There are some properties that we go into right away. We know they're not they're not going to be listings, and there's some properties we go into right away, and we can't imagine that they won't be listings. But you never really know. So we, we know. Always, yeah what the motivation behind there is, right? right. So we get we give them both options. I I I really have no. We usually will make would make more money if we buy it, but I have no problem making listing commission if that's the right thing for them. Sure, sure. Yep, yep. So what are some of the differences with exit strategies? I, I know you you know um, are moving more in the direction of wholesaling and wholetailing, which is you you know I know why you're doing it. It's obviously a lot easier. Maybe you can explain some more reasons, but um, and then just talk about how that might differ in your market. Now, clearly, I think most people know that rehabs up in the Northeast uh, are you can just imagine are much more complicated. I mean, older houses for one, things like oil tanks in some areas, all sorts of stuff that just complicate that. And probably, you know, uh, coming from someplace like Texas, for sure, probably a lot more bureaucracy is what I'm imagining. But yeah. just to kind of explain how just exit strategies are, are different. And then uh, certainly rehabbing, we'll understand that, but maybe start with wholesaling and wholetailing and then get into sure. rehabbing. So, um, well, wholesaling is beautiful because there's, you know, nobody gets involved except you and uh, the attorneys and, and the cash buyers. So that's great. Yep. In our area in Long Island, we do Nassau and Suffolk counties. There are, there are many townships. And then within those townships, there are incorporated villages and then a couple of cities within the towns also. So you have a lot of different uh, building codes and code issues that you need to know well. Sure. And when we were rehabbing, we got to know a lot of those things well, but it's still <laughs> a huge huge bureaucratic pain that we really wanted to avoid. Now, I have no problem with people wholesaling a deal to a guy who's going to deal with that and make more money than us, then I have no problem. It's just, we didn't want it. That's not what we are choosing to do. So we, yep, for, I get for, it. for four years, we really looked at everything. What, what else can we do to this property? And now when we go to a property, we look to what, 
what's the least we could do with it? Right, right. Obviously, yeah. the least is just assigning the contract to a cash buyer. Sure. Sometimes those numbers don't work, so we'll wholetail it, so we'll buy it, and sometimes do nothing to it and just put it out on the MLS if the numbers make sense. More often, we'll paint it or fix a few things, make sure that it's uh, financeable, and then put it on MLS. We'll wholetail it. We've had good success with wholetailing. I think we average even more money on wholetailing than we do on wholesaling, so that's a, definitely a strategy that we're going to continue. Yep. Um, but the the bureaucracy of the different building departments in our area is is just staggering. I almost I almost don't even understand it. But we go into some a small village that's got like uh, five or six thousand people, and there's eighteen full time employees working there in the building department. I don't, I don't I don't get it. But those people have to justify their their municipal salaries too. So they make your life miserable. And we and we if I never had to file a permit again the rest of my life. I <laughs> yeah, I get it. I, I've, I mean, I've rehabbed hundreds of houses and, uh, you know, I have a good contractor that's made it easy for me. We built a great relationship, but there's no doubt that, in fact, I have, uh, you know, we have, uh, uh, I'll just give you an example. We recently closed two, I don't, I generally buy one house at a time from a seller, but this seller we bought two houses from, they had two rental properties. They wanted to sell them. One of them we wholetailed and uh, they both needed about the same level of work actually. One of them we decided to rehab and one of them we decided to wholetail. The wholetail one, that's been gone for weeks. Uh, we spent, I spent a thousand bucks literally just cleaning it. I mean, it's, it's still old and needs a lot of updating, but at least, you know, we had somebody clean the carpets, even though the carpets need to be replaced, but at least it doesn't smell as bad or whatever. And so that one uh, was gone in like days, right? And this other one, you know, we continued to rehab for four or five weeks and we don't have the bureaucracy uh, down here that you have there. Um, and we put it on the market and, you know, we put it on the market yesterday. It's, it's actually blowing up. It'll be a quick sale one, but it could have easily been one that's just kind of lingering around, uh, too. And of course we have to go through the whole song and dance of the sales process, which sure. is not as complex for us as it is for you up there, but it's just a night and day difference. The, the rehab I've checked on it several times, the wholetail, I, I went there for 15 minutes at the beginning and never went back, you know? So, uh, so from I mean, a standpoint, it's hard to scale some of those things, right? Yeah. Right. So what, one of the things we were recognizing a couple of years ago is that the the prices for the completely renovated properties and the prices between p property, so let's say a 10 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10, and the, the difference between that and the price of a house that was like a 6 out of 10 or a 7 out of 10, where it was just okay, or a five, even a 5 out of 10, where it was narrowing. So when we yep. first started, you know, you wanted top dollar, there was a big difference between top dollar and a house that had right kitchen from 30 years ago. But what we're seeing now, we're still seeing it, and we saw it for, for, we've been seeing it for a few years, is that there are people that really watched the market run away from them. And let's say they could spend, they wanted to buy a house for $400,000 and everything in their neighborhood was going for 450, 475. They might pay $400,000 for a house that's just fair, right? If you right. put it out at 399, you might, you'll, you'll catch that that bargain hunting group. Right. And uh, when we try and comp out properties now, we really look for what, you know, what's it worth as is on a retail basis. And we, and we, we saw that the, that, that gap was not worth, it wasn't worth it for us. Yeah. yeah. Just it, yeah. it didn't make sense. If it, it and that might change as, as time goes by, you know, if there's a big enough gap, it might be worth it. But what we see now is that the less you do to a house, as long as it's financeable, someone can get a mortgage on it you'd be shocked what people will, yeah. will, will pay for it. Yeah. But I think, uh, I think, uh, you know, I think that the is determined a lot by market cycles. Like Absolutely. I think, you know, <clears throat> what we've seen here, honestly, we've been wholetailing for years. 
we've talked for literally three or four years, we've just been wholetailing almost everything. I haven't done as many major rehabs in a long time. I just happened to do several here over the past few months. But because um, what we're seeing now is now days on market is slowing down, like inventory is building up a little bit because the market is slowed. And so now you have to differentiate yourself. But, you know, if you were on a desert island and there was like one person there and you're not that attracted to them, but like, hey, it was just the two of us for forever. Like you start to make some concessions, right? <laughs> so uh, it's the same thing with a house. It's like you get to a point to where, um, you know, you're just like, hey, uh, there's hardly anything available. So I'll take whatever you got, you know. And uh, not that that's taking advantage of anything. That's just, like you said, somebody that waited too long to buy and it's out of their budget now. So they have to accept imperfection or, or like you said, um, people that are in that deal mindset. It's the same mindset that has allowed America to have outlet malls all over the place. Like some people just want a deal. They're willing to accept like, you know, a, a, a pink shirt or something that like, I don't really like it, but God, it's such a good deal. It's half off, you know. Right there's always people that are willing to do the work themselves or find some other way to justify getting a good deal. Right. You see, and also the price points here are so high. So, right. You know, if you, if you're talking, someone might qualify for a $400,000 loan and the top, the top renovated properties are all going for 500,000. They're going to, they can only go for 400,000, but they'll, they'll, if sure. they can get in their neighborhood where they want to be, for a hundred thousand dollars less than top, than than the top of the market, it's then it's 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 something that they can that they want. Some of the stuff that's dated, they just start to justify. Well, hey, over the next few years, we'll fix it up here and there as we as we get some money or get time. Right. We hear that all the time, and 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 we say, you know, and, some, and they'll come in and they'll they'll complain and we'll say, listen, we're, we're pricing this well below what we could. You know, if we fix it up, you know, it would cost. You know, we'd, we'd price it much higher. And I think people understand that they, they're getting yeah. something. At what they believe is a bargain, then they'll they'll put up with some put up with uh, some old dated things. Yep, yep. So, Michael, if, if folks were getting started right now and they were uh, starting up in up in New York or you know Boston has a lot of same issues, uh, New Jersey has a lot of the same issues. Um, what are some of the things you know you've talked about a few of them here, but anything else we're missing that they should consider when they're getting started in terms of overcoming some of the challenges that you face? I'd say the biggest thing is that is that. Uh, you really need to, to if you're going to go into uh, direct to seller marketing, whatever channel you're going to try, you need to give it at, at least not, I'm saying nine, but it's really 12 months to figure out if it works and what the return on investment is. So it's easy to, in other parts of the country to try something for three, four months and say it's not working, but here it's just, I feel like it's a the sales cycle is so long that you need to be consistent and do the same thing for a long time to figure out if it works or not. Yep. Yep. And the sales cycle is long too. You have, I probably, unlike uh, other markets, which has just been around for a lot longer, you probably have a lot more kind of multi-generational ownership type stuff, right? People have owned houses for a long time. They moved into the house that mom used to live in. There's a lot more of that stuff because the pricing is higher, right? So that just yeah. the decision-making time is a lot longer too, I would, I would expect. Absolutely. We went, we went, I went on an appointment today where the guy bought the house from his, from his parents and we recently bought a house uh, and there's an occupant that we want to remove. And he said his father died in the house and he, he's fighting us, you know? So the, yeah, there's a lot of what you're saying going on yeah. for sure. Yeah. Cause when you sell a lot of times it, like, you know, housing there just isn't as affordable as let's say in the South or other parts of the country. So there's just more hand me down type uh, type housing situations, right? Yeah. We see that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Michael, if folks wanted to learn more uh, about you or what's going on, wh where can they go? So you can come to our website to LMPK properties, 
www.ryanmcdonald.com. Uh, I started a YouTube channel to try and help other people who are uh, getting started in this business in New York. It's called Flipping and Wholesaling in New York. I think there's an ampersand for and. Um, but you can subscribe to that. I've give, given away all our uh, secrets uh, on those uh, <laughs> videos. It's a very short uh, two to three minute videos post almost every day. Oh, wow. Okay. And going through everything that's different about New York, uh, how to generate leads in New York, and everything about how the business is different. So you can definitely subscribe there and uh, comment if you like. Our phone number is on every video also. So you can call us. We're, we're here to help anybody that needs help. And uh, I think we, uh, we can give a pretty good uh, base uh, education to anybody that's looking to start. Yeah, that's sure. great. We'll, we'll find the link and we'll put it in the show notes here for those of you that are listening that aren't able to uh, you know, if you're driving or something right now, we don't want you to like wrap your car around a tree. So we'll de- definitely put it in the show notes here. Um, so Michael, you we didn't talk about it much, but you're also a member of our investor fuel uh, yeah. mastermind. Uh, would you mind maybe sharing some thoughts? I mean, I, I know that I'm not, I don't want to put any words in your mouth. Just kind of maybe share your experience so far as a member of the group. So I, mi- I missed the most recent meeting because my daughter got married around the same time, but I, I went to the one earlier and I can say it was uh an unbelievably great experience. It's an amazing group of people. There's no uh, a-holes in the group. Everyone is there to give and to help. And I, I think I've used, I've, I've used the group as much as any other member since by not just reaching out to other members to get help for all the different things that we were doing. Um, we, we've actually used the group members as, as vendors, uh, such as Todd Swaggerty, who has Yellow Letter HQ. And uh, I've gotten so much help from the group, but the biggest advantage uh, to me of the group is I actually watch the videos of the presentations almost every day. And for me, just seeing people that are going through the same struggles that, that, that we were going through and uh, learning how they overcame them and what, what, the, what the best mindset is has been incredibly therapeutic and helpful to me. So I couldn't recommend the group uh, enough. I think it's an amazing uh, an amazing tool for anybody who's doing this who feels like they're alone or who feels like they need help it's a an amazing resource to to reach out to and uh, i think it's uh, it's fantastic awesome i appreciate that yeah one of the things that some people don't realize uh or uh, that that you just kind of alluded to here is we've actually we've had six meetings now so investor field's been running for a year and a half we have a co- kind of a big quarterly meetings but we have recorded every presentation and so when people join they get access to the library of all the presentations all the resources people have shared i mean there's there's a there's a there's a master library out there of just uh just a treasure trove of information and insights uh, for sure I, I, fa- I find it incredibly uh, helpful. I, I, I try, I'm trying to get through it. I'm not done with, uh, with August yet, but I'm, but I'm going to try to outpace you. So <laughs> I'm working, I, I know I'm working my way through. I'm going to catch, I'm decided I'm going to catch up before May meeting when I'm, that, and I'm definitely coming to in Dallas. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Michael, thanks again for uh, joining us on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. And everybody, uh, thanks for joining us today. Again, episode number 466 with Michael Penter. If you haven't yet, we'd appreciate it if you subscribe to us on uh, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you might listen or watch, into the, sh- watch the show at, uh, YouTube as well. And of course, all of our shows that we've done are all uh, available on flipnerd.com. So everybody, until the next episode, um, I have a little tagline here that I always forget, Michael. I always screw it up, but I say, until the next episode, stay strong, stay cool, and keep fighting for freedom. Everybody, see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to today's show. There are three ways I can help you start or grow your real estate investing business. 
If you're a new investor and just getting started, the FlipNerd Investor Coaching Program is the most effective program in America. I've been coaching and mentoring new real estate investors for 10 years, and my students have literally purchased thousands and thousands of properties. Many of them started with little to no experience at all. Our program is a paint-by-numbers program where we tell you exactly what to do week by week to make sure that you don't get distracted on your way to results. We show you how to build a real business, not just create another job for yourself. New memberships are limited. You can learn more and apply or schedule a call with me and my team at flipnerd.com coaching. If you're an experienced investor doing a minimum of 10 deals a year, up to 500 deals a year or more, or have a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio already, you should check out our powerful Investor Fuel Real Estate Investor Mastermind. Over 100 of the nation's leading real estate investors are members, and it's not uncommon for our members to 2 to 5x their business just from getting around other members at Investor Fuel. At Investor Fuel, each of us are business advisors to one another's businesses, but we don't stop at business. We focus heavily on becoming better people and living fuller lives. If you're looking for fuel for your business or fuel for your life, please check out InvestorFuel.com. Applications and interviews are required as most investors are not a fit for our community. Please learn more at InvestorFuel.com. If you're not ready for coaching or masterminds, but eager to start learning more about investing, please join our private Facebook group by visiting flipnerd.com Facebook. New members get access to free training from us right here at flipnerd.com. And it's a community to safely ask your questions, a great place to get started. Simply go to flipnerd.com Facebook to request your access today.